today on Commitment to Truth. Heroes are willing to obey because as God continues to grow you and mature you as a man, as a father in your home, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start outpacing your wife and your children. And he's going to start telling you to do stuff that they don't see yet. And that's risky. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This week, we'll be starting a sermon series called Heroes. We'll learn from the biblical heroes of the past found in Hebrews 11 and by faith to encourage you to become today's heroes of the faith. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. So if you can, let's lean into Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, and learn from his failures and also his faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, and as you turn in there, there's going to be three questions that we're going to answer today, primary questions. The first is this, who is Abraham? Who is this guy called Abraham? And secondly, what makes Abraham so much like you and me? And how can you and I start living like heroes? Here's the first. Who is this Abraham? He was the husband of Sarah. And remember, uh, some of you ladies who are here, that we, we uh, identify Sarah from Mother's Day. And intentionally, I, I told the guys who were teaching, I want to take Abraham because I want to show you some of the flip side of the husband and the wife. Okay? So, husband of Sarah. He also had a name change. If you look at Genesis chapter 17, verses 3 through 5, it says, Abraham fell on his face. Now, before we continue to read, understand that there was this change of posture that was needed before his name was changed. In other words, if a man is going to be all that he's called and created to be, there has to be a name change. There has to be this change of identity. And here's the challenge, guys. We have to get to a place in our lives that we're willing to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God before we exalt it. Exalted as a father, exalted as a husband, exalted in a marketplace. There's this responsibility to, be, to pay homage to where homage is due. In other words, there's someone who is always bigger and badder than me. There's someone who is always more powerful than me, no matter how much power you accumulate in your life. There's someone who's always smarter than me, even though you may be the one who is making most of the decisions. There's someone who is, who is more faithful than me. It's always important. So you see this posture immediately. Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him. So if God is not speaking with you today, chances are change your posture. Because even though he fell on his face, there was something that happened to his heart. He spoke to him. He talked to him and he said this. As for me, Abraham, behold, my covenant is with you. And you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name should be called Abraham. For I've made you the father of a multitude of nations. The meaning of his name is found in, in the text. That he's a father of what? Many nations, a multitude of nations. That this again, remember, his risk of following God impacted children after children 
after children, after children, and children got them born. Not to mention, again, here's our third thing we need to understand about Abraham, is that he has a connection to Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, please. It says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. Started with whom? Abraham. Then it says, from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. So please, you, you can actually find this historical data even in extracurricular uh, reading outside of the Bible. These were actual events. Then it says, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, meaning whom? Christ, the chosen one, 14 generations. So here, Christ, the person of Christ, the heritage of Christ began with whom? Abraham. So similarly, guys, here's the deal, is that if you want your children and your children's children and your children's children, even children you'll never see on the side of heaven, to know the Christ, you got to know him yourself. You have to be all in so that you can have a lasting legacy that goes way beyond your years on this life. Somebody said, how can a man live forever? You live through your children and your children's children. Generationally. So who was Abraham? Husband of Sarah. He had this great name change like his wife. He also had this connection to Christ. It all began with Abraham. This connection to God. This faithfulness that lasts and extended throughout all generations. Amen. So fathers, what then makes you and I like Abraham? So here's a challenge when you always kind of try to answer these questions. There's like a list, plethora of things that we look like, act like, speak like, talk like, walk like, smell like Abraham. But I've narrowed it down to three. And they're located in, one is located in Genesis chapter 12, one is in Genesis 16, one is Genesis 18. So here's the first, Genesis uh, chapters. 12 verses 10 through 6 and again for the sake of time I'm just giving you some highlights and I need you to go back and, and read these portions of text uh, today and then we'll hammer it home in our final area that we're going to discuss today so again uh, why are we so much like Abraham or what makes us so much like Abraham Genesis chapter 12 verses 10 through 16 is this there was this shifting of responsibility you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, listen, it began with Adam and Eve. God came to Adam, gave him the command that you do not eat, right, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So uh, Eve was nowhere in the conversation or vicinity. She wasn't even created at that time. The only way that Eve understood that she shouldn't eat was through whom? Adam. That's why when she took the fruit, he, he went directly to who? Adam. He says, Adam, where are you? I know, it's, I know what Eve did, trust me. She ain't getting away with it. But you're in charge. So somehow, some way, something got lost in translation. And immediately what Adam did was, it was the woman you gave me. Hold up. 
immediately shifting the blame, shifting the responsibility and taking ownership. Now, at the end of the day, he eventually had to take ownership because he says, here's the results of your sin. So guys, no matter what, if you either take responsibility now with minimal ramifications or take responsibility later with greater embarrassment and greater ramifications. It's either now or later, there's, there, there's this responsibility to take ownership. So he immediately says, well, it's the woman you gave me. Same thing is inherently sinful about Abraham and about you and me. Remember, Sarah was given away by, his, by her husband, Abraham. Can you imagine? I don't know how I got away with that. Gave her away to some pacifiers going to Egypt. And you know why he did it? He says, so it may go well with me. And do you realize, guys, that's why we always pass up responsibility so it will go well with me. I'm not going to call the creditor because when I call the creditor, it's not going to go well with me. So I'm going to avoid the creditor. Then my wife says, why don't you call the creditor? Well, because I want to go well with me. So I'm not going to call that creditor eventually until it blows up and then I got to call the creditor because the creditor's knocking on my door. Right? You know, I'm not attending to my wife's emotional needs. I'm not, I'm exacerbating my children. The scripture says, you know, fathers, you shouldn't do that. So, okay, don't pass the responsibility on your children. It's not your children's fault that they don't respect me. It's not my wife's fault that she doesn't respect me. What am I missing? Because normally this is what happened. It blows up. She walks, she's now about to walk out the house and leave me and the kids. And then it's like, oh, okay, now I take responsibility. Okay, now tell me what I need to fix. Tell me, tell, tell me now. Tell me what I need to fix. It's too late. Take responsibility on the job. Take responsibility wherever you are. Because it's the call of a hero. It's risky to take responsibility. Because people start looking at me differently. They may think I'm weak. Because I don't argue back. My kids may think I'm soft. Because I don't put my foot down. And, and leverage my, my strength. They may think I'm soft. It's risky. I want to protect myself. It's risky for a man to show love and emotion and that tender side. Because I don't want you to take advantage of me. I'm not a pushover. But then we lose people we love. Chapter 16 shows us our next one. He responds to her voice. Abraham, verse 2, listened to the voice of Sarah. Think about this for a minute, guys. He listened to the voice of Sarah to go sleep with another woman. Can you go with that other woman and make us a baby? That doesn't even, that doesn't even compute. <laughs> guys, we're not called to listen to our wife's voice. 
We're not. Praise the Lord for godly women. Praise the Lord for godly moms. Praise the Lord for godly wives. But we're not called to listen to their voice. You say, wait a minute. My, my wife, you know, the Lord speaks to her. Absolutely. You know why? Because he couldn't get to you. <laughs> That's the truth of it all, guys. If, if the Lord has to circumvent you to talk to your wife to tell you something that you should know. What, why, why is God speaking to our wives? You know, hey, 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 Lisa, can you tell Cedric he, he, he probably should pray with you? Hey, Lisa, can you tell Cedric uh, that he, he's missing your love language? The scripture says to you and I, let he who lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord and he gives it to him generously. Why would he tell me to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave his very life for her and not tell me how to love her? It is that simple, guys. But we don't humble ourselves to ask him, what does she really need? We try to figure it out. It's like this, guys. I had a, whole, I had a problem with GPS early on. And Lisa used to get mad at me. Because remember GPS? It will be like, you, you, you're at the corner. Turn left. It's like, wait a minute. Hold up. He's like, okay, turn right. And you're like, you're right up at the corner. Remember that? It was like it wasn't really that effective. And, and I used to uh, read maps and travel a lot of different places. So I read maps really well. So I'm like, oh, I know where I'm going. Oh, I know where I'm going. And Lisa was like, can you just listen to the lady? Because that's the way we're wired. We're like, oh, I know the way to go. I know what I'm doing. And before you know it, we're running into the walls, running over curbs, and just, you know, speed bumps, speed bumps, dummy bumps, dummy, 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 you know, just running off the road. And it's like, can't we just listen to the voice of God? And he'll tell us what our children's needs are. He'll tell us how to be a good steward of our time, our talent, and our treasures. He will tell us how to be an effective employee. He'll tell us how to be an effective employer. He's not keeping secrets from us. So our challenge is to not respond to her voice. God can speak directly to us. And he does, she doesn't need to blow up like my wife Lisa used to do early in the marriage. Okay, now things are blowing up and erupting. Then I'm like, okay, so, so, so why did you have to blow up? Because <laughs> like, you weren't listening. We should not be men who react to our wise voice. But we should be men who hear the voice of God, who know the heart of the wife. Who's ahead of the heart of the wife. Because he knows the heart of the wife. He knows the heart of our children. He knows the heart of our bosses. He knows the heart of every created being that we have to have relational relationships with and we re respond to voices, we react to voices versus be out in front as a hero hearing the voice of God. The other challenge we find is this, is that in chapter 18, verses 16 through 33, you have Abraham reasoning with God or 
Believe it or not, he had a season of doubt before he became a, a man of faith and a man who pleased God by his faith. Remember that some of you may know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? His nephew Lot was, got caught up. He pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Before you know it, everything happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. God comes down, or Christ comes down as what is called theologically a Christophany, a pre-incarnation of Christ, meets him at the tent with two other angels, the three, right? He addressed one as Lord. The Lord is, the Lord is not an angel. So Lord, capital L, appeared to him, Christophany, and said, hey, by the way, do you understand what's going down where your nephew is in, in Sodom and Gomorrah? Because of their wickedness, I'm going to have to destroy it all. So this is what happens like we do with God. When God says, okay, I've been trying to tell you, trying to tell you, trying to tell you, trying to tell you. Okay, destruction's happening. Okay, well, can we reason together now, God? So he starts off with 50. Okay, God, if we can find, you can find 50 righteous people in all of the thousands of people, just 50. God says, okay, 50. I won't destroy it. 45. <laughs> it's like, this is like, it's what we do. Okay, well, you know, I really mean 45, God. Then 30, then 20, then 10. He landed on 10 and he says, okay, son, Abraham, I won't destroy all these people if I find 10. Can I ask ourselves a question, guys? Why does it have to get that severe? Why do we so many times when it starts blowing up or after God has been telling us, deal with this, deal with this, deal with this, deal with this, deal with this. Okay, God, I'll get to that. Okay, I'll, I'll get to prayer. I don't know if, about you, but God has this tendency of waking me up in the middle of the night or early in the morning. And I'll stay there and be like, I can't go back to sleep. And I'm like, apparently God is telling me, Cedric, get your tail up and go be with me. Even to a point now, I, you know, I have to use, go use the restroom. And as I'm using the restroom, God is speaking. It's like, okay, I woke you up. Use the restroom. So you're going to go be with me. Okay, next time. You know, I'm tired. I want to get some sleep. I don't feel like it right now, God. And we excuse after excuse after excuse. Then something happens. Boof. And guess what I'm doing? I'm up every morning, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Okay, you, I got, you got my attention, God, now, right? But, but we have to become men who ultimately stop reasoning with God. When he speaks, we respond to him. When he command, we obey him. When he says to obey, before things blow up. We shift our responsibility. We listen to that beautiful voice of our wives, sometimes when it's quiet and tender, and sometimes when it erupts. <laughs> and that's the truth, right? And... So many times we negotiate with God versus being courageous men and saying, you know what? When he tells me, I'll do it the first time. Now, again, as I mentioned, there's a whole bunch of things we could have continued about how we are so much like Abraham, but I won't. But understand this, guys. Listen, even though Abraham shifted responsibility onto his wife, which was wrong, even though he responded 
responded to his wife's voice before he responded to the voice of God. And even though he reasoned with God and tried to negotiate with God, listen, man, he is still listed as a hero of the faith and as listed as a friend of God. Go figure. And what that tells you and I, man, that there's hope. No matter where you are on this, on this growth ladder, no matter what season in life you're in, that tells you and me, man, there's hope. You know, don't get, don't, don't go in the pit and down in dumps and, you know, and, and like, oh, I'm just a failure. I can't please anybody. Oh, and throw. No, know that, listen, that's a part of life. That's a part of following Jesus. That's a part of being faithful to God is growing in your faith. It's becoming more and more like Jesus. It's sinning less. He, listen, he doesn't call us to be sin, uh, to, to sin less, but he's called us to be men and we, to be sinless, meaning no sin, right? But to be men and women who, what? Sin less and less and less. That we die daily so that Christ may, may live within us. Make sense? Thank you for joining us for today's message from Commitment to Truth. We'll continue with the second part of the message right after this. Hello, my name is Norberto Colon Jr. and I'm a ministry leader for the worship ministry at Commitment Church, a place for all nations. I would like to personally invite you to come to one of our events this month. For the latest events, you can visit commitmentchurch.org events. And if you and your family are looking for a church, we're here on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Thank you again for joining us for today's message from Commitment to Truth. We now return for the second half of our message. So there's hope. That being said, here's three lifestyle adjustments I'd like to give you that I believe that can help you and I start living like heroes. If you can turn back with me to Hebrews chapter 11. They're found in the first three verses that we, we read today, which is Hebrews 11, verse 8, 9, and 10. Here's the first. Heroes are willing to obey. Just obey. And it's risky to obey. Because as God continues to grow you and mature you as a man, as a father in your home, as he continues to mature you in listening and obeying, guess what's going to happen? Guys, you're going to start outpacing your wife and your children. And he's going to start telling you to do stuff that they don't see yet. They don't agree with yet. And that's risky. It's risky to sit down with people you love and say, hey, God is telling us that we were off base. And now we got to start doing something the right way. It's risky. Because think about it. Let's say, let's say that you're now on fire for the Lord and now your children are adults or teenagers and you just have this radical idea. Hey, family, guess what? You know, we used to turn it up doing Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year. Ah, God's convicted me. You know, it's like, man, we were wrong. Forgive me, but that's wrong. And we can't do that anymore. Oh, Dad, I can't believe it. You know, what would you do with that? He ain't spoke, he didn't say that to me. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Well, he, he didn't speak to me. He just spoke to you. 
It's risky. It's risky to say, ah, oh, you know, we can't, we can't watch that. We can't do that anymore because that doesn't make me more like Jesus. That, that actually takes me back in time before I fell in love with Jesus. And now it's just stirring up old habits and I can't go back there anymore. And that's risky. It's risky to tell friends that you grew up with, you're ride or dies, you follow me that, you know, we can't hang like that anymore. That's risky. But it's required. It's required when it's time to obey him. And that's why if you look at the word obeyed here in verse 8, it means this, to listen, right, to submit to, to hearken to a commands. But this is the best part of the definition. Of one when there's a knock at the door comes to listen who uh, it is. In other words, when someone knocks or when God knocks, you come to the door and you listen to who's at the door. In other words, we got to quit ignoring the knock at the door. And if we're honest, guys, he knocks all the time. He knocks all the time. But we have the tendency and the propensity to do what? Ignore. What well, thank God, I don't think you're saying that to me. Right, can you, this is what happens sometimes. You sit in a sermon like this, something kind of flares up. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. An indicator is that if you said he ain't talking to me, he's talking to you, meaning God. Or if you're with a group of guys and you hear guys maybe share their story, their testimony, you're like, well, well, he ain't telling me to do that. Well, that's another indicator that he's probably telling you to do that. Because, because if there's some kind of reciprocal response that says something about the heart, is that, oh, it, it struck a core, it struck a nerve that says, oh, Maybe at one time you were unaware of this, but now that you're aware of it, to him much is given, much is required. To him who, does, who, to him who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him is sin. So what normally happens is you get around guys and who know the right thing to do, they communicate the right thing to do, then you realize, oh, that's the right thing to do, then you don't want to do the right thing. And that happens to all of us. Obey. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 says, Does the Lord have as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to pay attention is better than the fat of the ram. In other words, when God speaks, we got to pay attention, guys. When he knocks, we listen, we answer the first time. Verse 9, heroes are willing to live like strangers and foreigners. Live like aliens here in this verse means this, means this, to be or dwell in a place as a stranger. The word foreigner, listen please, it says belonging to another. So in other words, I belong to another, right? In other words, I belong to another here in this country. I belong to another here in my home. I belong to another in any context of life. Or you could say I belong to another country another world, another kingdom. 
It also means not of one's own family and enemy. So here's our challenge, guys. I love my family. My wife is the most important person on the face of this planet. Ask my kids. They know. At the end of the day, you grow up and leave us. It's me and her when you're gone. So don't mess that up. And know that I love her more than you. And don't ever, ever, ever mess with that. But at the end of the day, when we die to go be with Jesus, she's no longer my wife. She wasn't my wife beforehand. And when it's all said and done, she doesn't belong to me. In other words, this is a temporary family. My wife is a temporary family. She doesn't belong. It's just such a blessing that God says, I wish that a man not be alone because he know we're lonely creatures. But it's foreign. It's temporary. And once we start latching onto her, latching onto them, latching onto it, then we lose sight of the kingdom. We serve a king not of this kingdom. We serve a king who doesn't have brown attached to it. We serve a king in a kingdom that is not of this world. So praise the Lord if you had polls and, and you love your Democrat, Republican, or independent party or, or whatever party you are part of. At the end of the day, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I must submit to the kingdom of God. Amen. Period. There's no other greater kingdom. There's no greater king than the kingdom of God. No matter where you're from, what country, beliefs, etc. At the end of the day, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And trust me, it's either going to happen here or it's going to happen there. So our challenge is to become men who understand that, no, I got to start living like strangers and foreigners and not be so caught up in the things of this world and even family dynamics that cause me to get twisted. Listen, my kids are adults now. And it's hard to parent adults. But you know what helps me navigate through that? I'm not getting caught up in all that nonsense because I'm not of this world. I'm not going to try to force you to respect me as your dad. But what I would do is apply what the scripture says here. Listen to what it says. In 1 Peter, it says, chapter 2, verse 11 through 12, it defines how we should live as strangers. Beloved, I urge you as foreigners and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So in other words, heroes understand that all we're doing is passing through this foreign land. We're passing through this foreign land. Which then gives us, listen, it gives us kingdom eyes to be able to look for, look 
towards a wait for believe in the king and his kingdom. So the third point is this, is that heroes always are looking towards the kingdom. Looking towards the kingdom and the king of the kingdom. Listen to what verse 10 says again. For he was looking for the city which, was, which has foundations, whose architect and builder is whom? God. The word looking, listen to what it means, to accept the kingdom. Guys, one of the important parts of walking holy and circumspectly before God is you got to accept the kingdom. In other words, do you pray, have you prayed to ask Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior? If not, all this stuff is foreign. Because you're part of another kingdom. But there's this accepting of the king, accepting of the kingdom, accepting of the kingdom principles that everybody must govern themselves by. So therefore, it causes us not to get caught up in all of this earthly strange things that causes all of us to derail ourselves if in fact we get so caught up in the hype of this world. So our challenge is to understand, no, I have to first accept it and listen to what it says, the next definition. I then have to, ex I have to expect it. There's this expectation of the kingdom. Then I got to wait. I believe it. I expect it. I wait. So, adult kids again, right? <laughs> Teenage kids. Okay, I'm going to make you do kingdom stuff. I'm going to make you. I'm going to force you. I'm going to be heavy hand on you. Or I can expect. Because I know the word of God tells me that train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, it says they will not depart from it. But the proper vernacular is it will not depart from them so I expect it to happen and I wait and not get in God's way same thing same principles when you look at your, 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 your boss and your employment it says promotion comes neither from the east nor the west but from the very hand of God I accept the principle I expect and I wait that I don't have to run behind my boss and kiss up to my boss because he is really not my boss. I serve my boss because I also know another kingdom principle and Romans says what? That every person who's in authority over you has been placed over you as the very hand of God. So I respect authority. But I wait expectantly for God to move in the one who's, in, who's been placed over me. I don't disrupt. I don't keep going from job to job and, and hopping here and there and everywhere and ultimately defame the name of Christ and ruin the reputation of Christ because there's inconsistency in my life, but rather trusting him and waiting for his kingdom to manifest itself in my life. Make sense? 
And that's why Colossians 3, verse 1 through 3 says this. It describes how we should look towards the kingdom. It says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then listen to uh, Philippians 3, verse 18 to 21. It says, it reminds us of our citizenship. Listen, it says, For many walk of whom I often told you, and, not, and now tell you even as I weep, that they are the enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, who God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who have their minds on earthly things. You hear that? Minds on earthly things rather than what? Heavenly things. For our citizenship, our citizenship is where? In heaven. From which we also eagerly await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our lowly condition into conformity with his glorious body by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. We accept, we expect, we wait and let God be God. Let me end with this. There's three guys that weren't mentioned in the Hall of Faith that I want to bring to your attention and close out with. Some of you, maybe many of you know their names as I read them. And these young men were in a wicked season of a, of a society, uh, Babylonian exile, and their king simply says, you know what? You're going to bow down to me or you're going to die. You're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. You're going to die. It's risky. It was a risky, courageous act that they says, no, we're not going to listen to you. It's risky. But they chose to do what's right. Listen to what it says. It's in Daniel chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. Now, if you're ready... This is the king speaking to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. At the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of musical instruments to fall down and worship the statue that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be thrown into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can rescue you from my hands? How arrogant. But listen to how they responded. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not in need of an answer to give you concerning this matter. In other words, we don't need to answer you. And can I say this, guys? Sometimes when you know you're doing the right thing, there's no need to answer. There's no need to defend yourself. If you're standing for him. Verse 17, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will rescue us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, so think about that, guys. We know he can, but even if he chooses not to. We know he can, but even if he chooses not to. See that need for balance and trust. We know you can. I will wait expectantly. I will trust you. But even if you choose not to, I'll trust you. Mm -hmm. 
But if be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods, nor worship the golden statue that you have set up. That was risky. Guys, it's risky to be obedient, but we must be men who act like heroes to say, you know what? I will not risk it, and I will not bow down. I just won't. No matter if it costs me my life, I will not bow down. Heroes risk their lives not to live like everybody else. It's risky, man. If you're with your boys, right, and you're like, nah, I can't do that anymore. No, nah, I don't do that anymore. Well, why? Uh, no big deal. Or once you get the courage, you can say, no, I won't because I fell in love with Jesus, man. Oh, that's all emotional. That's all tender. Oh, no, man, it's, I got a new lover now. And he's the lover of my soul. And he's a man's man. Anybody who can, listen, anybody who can make their own tools as a carpenter and to make everything by hand. Keep in mind, he made his own tools and he made everything by hand. It's a man's man. Listen, old school, my father and, and his, his friends and my uncles, man, they had forearms the size of watermelons. You know, rough hands because they used, they didn't use power tools, man. I remember putting fences together by hand. You know, you'd have drills. Listen, the first drill I had as a kid was one you crank like this. It's all day we had a drill. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, man's man. That's who a man of God is in love with, who's serving. Not to be ashamed about that, but it's risky. It's risky to say I'm all in with him. Because you're going to lose some friends. You're going to lose some opportunities because... Is you're taking the risk, but here's the deal. Heroes risk their lives for their own personal grains of sand and stars in the skies. Because that's what Abraham did. God said, your lineage will be like the grains of the sand of the sea and the stars in the sky. In other words, real heroes, guys, are thinking ahead to their children and their children's children and their children's children, people yet unborn that they will not ever lay eyes on. That, you know what, I will make decisions today in my soul that my great, 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 however many greats lands until Jesus returns so their soul will be rescued. I will do whatever I need to do. Not because I hear the noise in my house. That's, that guy's that's shallow. I hear the noise in my house and I'm just reacting, reacting, reacting. Hear the noise from my wife. I'm reacting, reacting. Hear the noise from my kids. I'm reacting. No, no. You got to hear the quietness of the knock on the door and you do what he tells you to do that somehow uniquely and supernaturally permeates generations. 
That's what heroes do. Hello, my name is Sarah Vega, and I am the Administrative and Executive Director here at Commitment Church. I hope you've enjoyed today's message by Pastor Cedric Brown. If you didn't know, Pastor Cedric also sends out encouraging videos weekly. We call these the Weekly Wire. We can send these encouraging videos directly to you by subscribing at www.loveallnations.org. Here's an example of the encouragement you'll receive. When the children of Israel was about to conquer Jericho, they were commanded by God through Joshua to not come too close to the Ark of the Covenant that the Levites were carrying into battle. Matter of fact, they were given uh, the instructions to not come any closer than 2,000 cubits, which is equivalent to 10 football fields. That's the length of 10 professional football fields. They could not come close to the ark. It's interesting because it goes on to say, so that you may know the way to go because you have not been this way before. I think what God was trying to symbolize, if you would, or make known to the children of Israel was that I want you to follow me. <laughs> In other words, don't run ahead of me. Don't run parallel to me, but follow me. Keep a safe, safe distance and follow me. Now, the beautiful thing that God has so graciously given us through the finished work of Jesus Christ is that we could be near and still follow. Matter of fact, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his spirit lives within you, right? So his spirit lives within you, but yet you are still following his lead. Make sense? So I just want to encourage you today that you may not know the way you should go, but if you trust the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells all of us who believe, that you will be shown the way you should go. So you may be in a place in your life today that you don't know which way is left or right or up or down, and you really need to be shown the way. Trust the leading of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, right? Who never says or instructs anything contrary to his written word. Right? Nor would he instruct contrary to godly counsel. You follow me? Godly counsel, leading to the Holy Spirit, the authority of God's word. You put those three things together, if you would, that you will always be shown the way. This is Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church with another Weekly Wire. Please pass this video on to someone who needs to be shown the way. Don't forget to visit our website at loveallnations.org. That's loveallnations.org. May God bless you. We hope you enjoyed the sample of our Weekly Wire. Again, to subscribe to your weekly inspiration, refreshment, and encouragement, please visit www.loveallnations.org. Hello, this is Cedric Brown, your teacher on Commitment to Truth. I would like to personally thank you so much for tuning in week after week to listen here on this station. My prayer is that our time together is encouraging and strengthening you in your personal walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, I'm not going to assume that all of you know this Christ that I speak about week after week. And if you don't, and this is you, my prayer is that you are being inspired to know Him personally through commitment to truth. But if you want to invite this Christ into your life right now, 
Would you like to please pray with me? It's just a short prayer. It goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I acknowledge today that I am a sinner and I've sinned against you. But I believe that you came to die for me. You were buried for me and you rose again from the grave just for me. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and my risen Savior. And I surrender my life completely to you until I see you face to face. Jesus, would you, would you please empower me through your Holy Spirit to live the rest of my life for your glory and for the good of others? In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So if you pray this prayer, or if you need help finding a local Christ-centered and Bible-teaching church, please email me at info at commitmenttotruth.org. Once again, that is info at commitmenttotruth.org. And lastly today, could you please do two things for me, all of you? Number one, could you spread the word about commitment to truth to your friends, your family, and even your enemies? We all could learn, right? And secondly, please email me at info at commitment to truth to let me know how this ministry is impacting your life. Once again, that is info at commitmenttotruth.org. I would love to hear from you. May God bless you and your family and have a great day. Thank you again for listening to our series, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.